In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was concerned about people seeing our good works. He tells us in Matthew 5:16 that we should let our light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6 kind of expands on that idea and gets us to think about why we are doing these good works. In a culture that put religion at its center, such as Judaism and Israel at large, being religious had quite a few advantages. Shows of piety were respected and rewarded with praise and social esteem. And unfortunately, it became easy to start doing good works not so people gave glory to God, but to the person. Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 18 is largely concerned with these public shows of religion and how we ought to practice our good works. Jesus comments on three religious practices in particular that were being performed in public for praise, charity, prayer, and fasting. In Roman and Greek culture, charity was typically a public matter. It was given in order to secure the reputation of the one who was giving it. And so any means to publicize, any means to make a big show out of it, was taken advantage of. Today, it seems that more and more give charitably not as a means of actually showing kindness, but to elevate their own reputation and number of followers. Jesus teaches that if our giving is for the sake of praise, then that and that alone is going to be our reward. While men would praise us, God sees that self-serving attitude and instead tells us that we should give in secret. Charity isn't about making ourselves feel better or look good. It's about addressing the needs of the poor and without turning them into a prop for our own show. The next topic is prayer. In its most genuine form, prayer is the direct address from us to God, personally or on behalf of the people praying with us. The hypocrites of Jesus' day, however, were far more interested in being heard by the crowds around them than they were by God. To make their prayers more impressive, it could be turned into some ornamented speech or filled with repetition to make it longer and thus more pious. Like with our charity, Jesus wants us to do it in private. Prayer is not our opportunity to show how deeply connected we are with God. It's our chance to speak with him, and we can do that anywhere. So Jesus says to go do it somewhere private. The prayers themselves don't need to be anything fancy. Jesus gives us an example in what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It's short, only 56 words in the ESV, and its concerns are simple, a respectful address to God and a submission to his will, asking for enough bread for today and a plea for forgiveness with a reminder that we also need to forgive, and finally, a plea for protection from the evil one. So don't ever feel that you need to be a psalmist if you want to pray to God. The final practice was fasting. It was normal for some of the Pharisees to fast every Monday and Thursday, and it was an outward show at the spiritual grief that they were suffering. They were publicly mourning the absence of God, the oppression of the Romans, and the sin of the people. It was a way to virtue signal. I care about what's going on, but obviously you don't. Jesus doesn't forbid his disciples from fasting. In fact, he expects it. In verse 17, when you fast, though, anoint your head, wash your face. Again, let it be between God and yourself. Jesus wants us to reorient all of our religious practices towards God, not to ourselves. And so he says in verses 19 through 20, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. 
When we practice charity, prayer, and fasting all for the praise of man, we're not getting any heavenly treasure from God. Our attention should be focused on higher things that won't be lost or stolen away from us. Jesus wants us to keep an eye on our eyes and think about what we're longing for, what we're always looking to. Because the more we stare at the things in this world, the more we're going to be drawn away from him. And he says in verse 24 that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God is the master worth serving. In verses 25 through 34, Jesus says that we can focus on serving him and his kingdom, and God will take care of the rest. Do you see the birds going hungry? Never. God loves you more than them, so expect him to feed you. Do you see how beautiful the flowers are? God takes the time to clothe them even though they're going to be dead in a season. So you can count on him to clothe you as well. In this entire chapter, the idea is to keep your focus on God. To do good works for his glory, not your own. To serve him as your master, not to serve anything in this world. So don't worry about chasing after food and clothing and the rewards of this life. Seek the kingdom of God first and let him take care of the rest. <laughs>